from Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. It's Graham VK4 Baker Baker. It is the national news for week commencing March 6, 2016. And world-renowned VK are full silent key. Read with care how to vote using the form sent to all WIA members by mail. And do you or your club have a five-year ACMA licence? I wonder if you really do. Richard VK2SKY has some disturbing news on this in this bulletin. But it's not a newscast of all doom and gloom. In fact, good times and rock and roll. There are exciting times ahead for digital radio, according to Joan Warner from Commercial Radio Australia who led a World Dab Workshop in Kuala Lumpur this week. Australia has been broadcasting Dab Plus since 2009 and has achieved 64% coverage of the Australian population. There are up to 30 additional radio stations on air in each capital city since the launch of digital radio. There are now 4,600 vehicles with Dab radios in the capital cities and car manufacturers can see that Dab Plus is here to stay. In Australia, there are now 2 million receivers sold, with the cheapest being just $15. Australia wants to roll out digital radio to the remaining 36% of population in regional areas that are not yet covered. We are working with the regulator to plan the rollout of DAB+, and hopefully we will see the first of that rollout starting in 2017 once the planning is done, said Joan Warner. WIA Board Talk The Australian Formula One Grand Prix at Albert Park in Melbourne is certain to see the ACMA licence on a temporary basis, a small number of 70 centimetre band channels and maybe a channel on two metres, these in the hand bands. This has happened in the past for major sporting events and the WIA has a flexible attitude towards the practice. The ACMA is set to allow devices and frequencies for use at the Albert Park circuit and for a five kilometre radius on March 1720. In past years, the ACMA has allocated a few VHF and UHF channels that are chosen to avoid interference with normal amateur service operations. Our WIA exam service introduced its trained assessors more than a decade ago with the introduction of the Foundation Licence. At the WIA annual general meeting in Canberra last year, the WIA honoured the assessors who had given 10 years of service. In May this year, the WIA and its AGM on Norfolk will honour and thank the second batch of accredited assessors, who also now reach this milestone. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with some answers about ballot papers. As members will be aware, elections for three director positions on the WIA board are underway, as the WIA constitution requires. Ballot papers have been included in the March issue of Amateur Radio magazine, which is presently arriving in letterboxes and post office boxes across the country and Western Australia. All well and good, but what about those members who have opted out of receiving the print edition of the magazine and those other WIA members in a household who share one copy of the magazine? Now that's a very good question, says every politician, while searching furiously for an answer to give to an impertinent journalist. Never fear, says WIA President Phil Waite, VK2ASD. All such members have been identified from the WIA member database and they have each been posted the ballot papers already. Despite the recent changes to service delivery at Australia Post, not to mention a price increase, 
ballot papers posted to these members should be received well in time to complete and return them to the National Office by the deadline of 4pm on 27th March. I guess we don't need to remind you to read the instructions carefully, but we will. VK1 WIA, all local news. We go around VK in 80 seconds. Hams across Australia to VK2 and 3. As you'd be aware, in this our 21st year of national news, we do only broadcast each item received the once, particularly when it comes to ham fests. So I really should thank the guys and gals at EMDRC and those at the Wyong Field Day for the great audio pieces over the past few weeks or with a refreshing slant on why your event is the biggest and best overall. Yes, the more variations on a story, the more plugs on the net and on the air. But a big thank you to Dave, VK2DLS from the Wyong Field Day, for a report on how the CCARC saw their event this year. Before Dave, and also before we check in with Richard, VK2SKY, on the case of the missing five-year call signs, it's to VK3, where the Moorabbin District Radio Club Hamfest will be Saturday, May 7, with doors opening at 10am at the Southern Community Centre, Mulgrave. The Moorabbin Radio Club's annual Hamfest is said to be Victoria's biggest, with displays and sales of new and pre-loved equipment, a must-come, must-see event for everybody interested in radio communications and electronics. Major door prizes, free tea and coffee, light refreshments and a sausage sizzle will be on offer. Trader table bookings and general inquiries in the text edition, wia.org.au. Hi, I'm Richard VK2SKY for the Manly Warringah Radio Society in Sydney with a cautionary tale. The mystery of the disappearing license renewal. Have you renewed your license recently and for five years? If so, you might want to check that you still have your precious call sign. A few weeks ago, I received an urgent email from Henry Lundell, VK2ZHE of Port Macquarie. Henry had been checking the ACMA license register page on the web, and he noticed that our club's call sign, VK2MB, was available for issue. This came as a surprise to me, as I was sure that our club secretary, Des VK2TGJ, had renewed the license in November, and for five years at that. As most listeners will be aware, ACMA updated its licensing system last year, but it looks like there may be a few issues with the software. License renewal notices have been issued to amateurs, and the default is to renew the license for one year. You can, however, request a five-year renewal, and ACMA was happy to take the Society's money. Unfortunately, to borrow a phrase from TV, the computer said no, (coughs) but it said so to itself. While the renewal payment was processed, the database update was not. It was only thanks to Henry's vigilance, not to mention honesty, that the club's premium call did not get issued to another amateur. Our secretary followed up straight away and renewed the license, this time for one year. The original five-year renewal payment was, of course, refunded. So, a word of caution to all listeners. If you think that you have renewed your license for five years recently, check the ACMA license register page on the web and make sure you still have your call sign. Hopefully, ACMA will sort out the issue soon. And thanks again, Henry Lundell, VK2ZHE, for doing the right thing. This is Dave, VK2DLS. The Central Coast Amateur Radio Club wish to thank all who helped make the 2016 annual field day event at Wyong Racecourse a huge success. We thank the traders and exhibitors, many of whom travelled great distances. Thank you also to the seminar lecturers who enlightened us on their subject. Many thanks to all who attended. Without you, there would be no field day. 
Lastly, a great big thank you to all the volunteer workers who made the Field Day happen. We are now looking forward to 2017 Central Coast Field Day, which will be the 60th to be held. For full details, go to www.fieldday.org.au. What use is an F-call? I recently spent some time talking about the grey line, about the way it moves around and how it will help you make contacts along its path. If you recall, the direction of the grey line changes throughout the year. As the tilt of the Earth affects the direction of the sun on your head, it also affects the shadow line that's drawn across the planet, as sunset and sunrise occur at your QDH. Of course, you already know this. We experience this change as our seasons. So if the grey line changes direction, the obvious question is, which way should you point your antenna? So here's some figuring. At the equinox, the grey line runs north-south. That is, twice a year around the 20th of March and the 22nd of September. For our quick and dirty calculation, March and September is more than accurate enough. At summer and winter solstice, 21 December and 21 June, the grey line runs at the maximum angle, the tilt of the Earth, 23.5 degrees. So every quarter of the year, the grey line moves about 23 degrees. Call it 21. So every month, the grey line moves by about 7 degrees. This is about equal to the width of a man's fist held at arm's length, 104 millimetres. So in December, you'll see the grey line running at about a bearing of 21 degrees, in January about 14 degrees, in February about 7, in March about 0, that's north, and so on. Now the only tricky part is which way do you go around 0 degrees? Is February 7 degrees east or 7 degrees west of north? It depends on whether you're north or south of the equator. Here in VK, February is east, April is west, August is east, October is west. To remember that, think that the grey line is a feast. February is east and August is east. Have fun working the grey line. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima, Alpha Bravo. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with some sad news, I'm afraid. Doug MacArthur, VK3UM, VK3 Uniform Mike, became a silent key on Monday, 21st February. Although licensed for almost 60 years, Doug was probably most well-known across Australia and around the world for his moonbounce exploits over decades, in particular with the 8.6-metre dish he commissioned in 2001. The news of his passing came as a shock to all, no less so to his wife and family. Doug could be truly described as a ham's ham. Over the course of the years he pursued his hobby, Doug made his mark wherever he went, geographically or electronically. He was an inveterate home builder. When Doug retired, he and his wife Bev moved to rural Glenburn in the Yarra Ranges region, northeast of Melbourne. He then set about purchasing the 8.6 metre dish owned by Telstra and located at One Tree Hill. Moving and installing it was quite a saga, interrupted by a stroke in late 1999, unfortunately. Undaunted, in characteristic fashion, Doug worked at recovering and commissioned the big dish in mid-2001. Along the way, Doug developed some key software applications that are now used by moon bouncers worldwide. 
the EMR Calc software Doug developed for assessing any amateur station's compliance with electromagnetic radiation safety standards is known and used around the globe. The Australian Communications and Media Authority looked to it as the authoritative tool for assessing Australian amateurs' compliance with local electromagnetic radiation safety legislation. Doug was a long-time WIA member and staunch supporter. He served on various WIA committees and provided technical advice over many years. Doug was a larger-than-life character and lived life to the full. Whatever pursuit he took up, he gave it his all. Family, sport, technical lectures, lunch, dinner, socialising, amateur radio. He was 74, too young to leave us. Vale, Doug MacArthur, VK3UM. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. In Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. As a result of intensive work by research institutes and designing bureaus, the first artificial Earth satellite in the world has now been created. This first satellite was today successfully launched in the USSR. That's the sound of the very first human radio transmission from a man-made moon. And now that Sputnik transmitter has been recreated. A transmitter of the type that was on board Sputnik 1 when it became the world's first artificial satellite and started the space race has been recreated by a Dutch radio amateur. The 58-centimetre polished metal sphere broadcast radio pulses that were heard as it went around the Earth for 21 days, the life of its battery. It was in space for three months, travelling about 70 million kilometres before re-entering the atmosphere to burn up on January 4, 1958. Throughout the world, radio amateurs heard Sputnik transmissions on 20 MHz and 40 MHz. What is known is that Sputnik was pressurised with nitrogen, had whip antennas, valve radio transmitters and a fan to keep it cool. Now Frank Warsenberg, Papa Alpha 3 Charlie, November Oscar has recreated one of the Sputnik radio transmitters using a set of the original Russian tubes. Until 2013, the design was a state secret, but Oleg Borodin, Romeo Victor 3 Golf Mike, found a schematic used for the transmitter. The valves were a wire-ended design, with all electrodes mounted on rods the length of the glass envelope, making them resistant to acceleration and vibration that could be expected during launch. High-frequency equipment for the Spratly Islands. The disputed islands in the South China Sea are a continuing subject of claims over ownership and occupation. Occasionally, DXs activate this rare DX entity. Next month, Michael Norterman, Delta Foxtrot 8 Alpha November, is on Layang Layang Island. He will sign as 9 Mike 0 Sierra from April 19 to 29 operating on 160 metres to 6 metres and using CW. For historical reasons, China makes claim to the entire archipelago. Some islands are subject to territorial claims by Taiwan, Vietnam, the Philippines, Malaysia and Brunei. Now, China's Ministry of Defence reveals navigation equipment is on an island. This has caused speculation that it may include HF radar to monitor sea and air traffic. Further developments can be expected, with it being the case of Watch this space.
International Marconi Day to go ahead. Recently, Norman Pascoe, Golf 4, Uniform Sierra Bravo, became a silent key. He was one of the founders of International Marconi Day and the yearly organiser. This year's event will go ahead as planned, and the Cornish Amateur Radio Club expects to keep it running for many years to come. Unfortunately, an online attack has taken down the International Marconi Day websites. If you have already registered for IMD 2016, you need not take any further action. New footy stadium design worries airport radar. When the proposed home for a US football team was mooted under the approach to an airport, concerns were raised that its design could interfere with a vital radar system. The National Football League home in Los Angeles may have to be more like a stealth bomber than having a reflecting structure. The Federal Aviation Administration has declared the structure a hazard to aviation. It has proposed a suitable design and materials to reduce radio wave interference. The FAA reports the proposed Hollywood Park Stadium may block the radar's view, causing it to plot aircraft differently or have them flutter on a screen. Although negotiations are continuing, it's thought that instead of a reflective aluminium roof, it will use an absorbing outer coating as well as a reduced height. Amateur radio is alive and well. ARRL report growth in the US continued in 2015, with a record 735,405 licensees in the FCC's universal licensing system, ULS database, by the end of the year. That's up 9,130 over December 2014, a 1.2% rise, continuing a steady increase in the amateur radio population in every year since 2007. Like here in Australia, the ham scene is going very well. Australia isn't the only country hoping to bring more amateurs onto the air. In India, the Indian Institute of Hams has likewise begun an awareness campaign that reaches out specifically to youngsters in the port city of Mangaluru. The Institute's director said that it makes sense to have more active radio amateurs in a coastal location such as this, which is vulnerable to flooding and other disastrous conditions. He said only 100 hams are registered in Mangaluru, and of those, only 30 radio amateurs are considered active. Even though disaster communication is a priority, the Institute is stressing among young recruits radio's opportunities for global friendship and communication, as well as learning technical skills. In India, youngsters 12 and older are eligible to become licensed amateurs. The IARU has run a Youngsters on the Air International Summer Camp every year since 2011. It's been hosted in Romania, Belgium, Netherlands, Estonia, Finland, Italy and Austria. The RSGB board has agreed to submit a bid to host the 2017 IOTA Summer Camp in the UK. If successful, this will see young members from countries within Region 1 coming together for a week-long programme of amateur radio-related activities. Ofcom has announced that it will release so-called special, special call signs to support the Scout Centenary celebrations. These call signs will be prefix GB100, GB100 and GB100. These call signs will be available for special events by Cub Scout District and higher level groups and must be endorsed by the District Commissioner or equivalent for higher level groups. Ofcom has further clarified that events at the level of individual Cub Scout groups will continue to be limited to normal special event call signs. These stories from the RSGB and Amateur Radio Newsline. 
I'm editor Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, and you're listening to VK1WIA. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Operational news on Felix VK4FUQ 2016. March 12 and 13, RSGB Commonwealth Contest. WIA John Moore Field Day, 1920, March 2016. Harry Angel, 80 metre sprint, WIA, Saturday 7th of May. 1010 International Summer Contest, August 6 and 7. Remembrance of ID Contest, August 13 and 14. 36 Alara Contest is on the last four weekend in August, August 27 28. The RSGB Commonwealth Contest. This is the longest-running DX contest promoting contacts between the Commonwealth and mandated territories. Held on March 12 and 13, the CW contest will be using the 80 to 10 metre bands. The challenge of contesting has endured from the earliest days of radio communication. The Radio Society of Great Britain created the British Empire Radio Union, BERU, in the late 1920s to support radio amateurs in the Empire. In 1930, a New Zealand radio amateur suggested there should be an Empire Radio Week and that be held in 1931, which was the first BERU contest. It proved to be very popular, and by 1973 it had a name change to the Commonwealth Contest, but it's still known by many as the BERU Contest. Always held on the second weekend in March, and being the oldest CW contest, it's always looked forward to by those on the A1 mode or Morse code. Special event stations, DX, Beacon, Repeater and Net Advice. Operating from the lowest point on the Earth's surface, 429 metres below sea level, 4X429DS is on the air from the shores of the Dead Sea on all bands and modes until the 6th of March. QSL to N4GNR. Marking 70 years since Winston Churchill's speech that coined the phrase Iron Curtain, W0C will be on the air to the 7th of March operating at or near 14275 14070. 7225 and 7070 kHz. St. Martin, PJ7. QRV is PJ7AA till March the 12th. Activity will be on 40 to 10 metres using CW and SSB. QSL to home call AA9A. Not to be confused with Legoland, a group of 10 operators are on the air as DA0HEL from Helgoland, EU127 till March 13. Activity will be on all bands on SSB, CW, RITI, PSK and JT65. QSL via the Bureau to DF6QC. F6ITD is active as FG-F6ITD from Guadeloupe and two of its islands. Until the 28th of this month, March, he will work all HF bands both on SSB and in digital modes. Listen for the call sign TO6D. QSL via his home call sign F6ITD. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inningham. Hi, I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news. And I've got a question. Are you a happy camper? This news in from Naughty Lad, VK4NL. Noel's Nutty Campers. Noel, VK4NL, has been organising the popular and famous, or should I say infamous, Noel's Nutty Campers weekends away for many years. So if you're interested in heading along to one of these fantastic weekends, you can contact Noel on his mobile phone number, which is in the text edition of this week's broadcast. 
Now to Final Frontier, the Radio Club of Argentina, RCA, and AMSAT LU have announced the first satellite contact between Argentinian Antarctica and mainland Argentina on February 28 via SO50. LU1AET and LU5UFM had studied the passes of various amateur satellites over Argentina. LU1AET was at Kalini Antarctic Base, May 25 Island, South Shetland in Argentinian Antarctica, while LU5UFM was in Miramar in Buenos Aires Province on the mainland, a distance of nearly 2,700 kilometres. They exchanged signal reports and talked for more than two minutes. Now to ILLW. The Amateur Radio Lighthouse Society, ARLHS, the sponsor of Intercontinental Lightship Lighthouse Week, is looking for a new leader. Not to be confused in any way with the long-running ILLW, this ARLHS was founded by Jim Widener, K2JXW, in 2000. Widener has now had to resign as owner and president. Headquartered in New Jersey, the ARLHS is about 2,000 dues-paying members strong. A solicitation distributed by Widener on February 29th in part said, We intend to keep the ARLHS active until June 30, after which time we will terminate the webpage, BeaconBot, and all club activities if no one's willing to assume ownership and leadership. The new owner-slash-president would have to assume fiscal responsibilities too. Now QRP and weak signal communication, one ham's low-power legacy. A low-power transmitter donated from a silent keys estate is adding some high-power interest to the ARRL's historic collection. It's a flea-powered, transistorized ham transmitter that was used in a transatlantic contact in 1956, and now it's set to be displayed in the ARRL's historical collection in Connecticut. A donation from the estate of silent key Gus Folgren who was licensed as W10GU when he built the transmitter with two fellow Raytheon engineers. On September 18, 1956, the 78 milliwatt transmitter was showing off some low-power, battery-powered prowess, achieving a 3,800-mile contact on 20 metres. Folgren himself was at the key, transmitting into a three-element, wide-spaced Yagi. His signal report of 339 signal came all the way back from OZ7BO in Copenhagen, Denmark. Now to Radio Amateurs Old Timers. It's that time again we renew our passports and head west. Hello everyone, this is Clive, VK6CSW, with the usual reminder that tomorrow, Monday March the 7th, the Radio Amateurs Old Timers Club of Australia's monthly news and information bulletin goes to air. As well as the latest club news, this month we have items on the historic Coherer detector, nanosatellites and a reusable rocket. Everyone, RAOTC members and non-members alike, is most welcome to listen into the program and to join in the callbacks afterwards. Now there are several ways to hear this broadcast. At 0100 UTC, Bill VK3BR will be beaming the program northwards from Melbourne on 20 metres on 14.150 MHz upper sideband for Eastern States listeners. An hour later, at 0200 UTC, there will be a 40 metre transmission from Perth on 7088 kHz lower sideband 
with a simultaneous transmission via all linked NewsWest VHF and UHF repeaters. In addition, numerous local relays will take place, including a news service starting on various Tasmanian repeaters following their regular news night program. To find the times and frequencies for your area, please visit the RAOTC website at www.raotc.org.au and click on VK3 OTN Broadcasts. And remember, as from Tuesday, you can download the audio file from this website. Sim 3 from Clive, VK6, CSW. Once again, the RAOTC monthly bulletin is scheduled for tomorrow, Monday, March the 7th. Now to Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. The South African Radio League Hamnet 40 Metre Simulated Emergency Contest is on air Sunday 6th from 12 to 1400 UTC. It's open to all radio amateurs in South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Swaziland, Mozambique, Lesotho, Marion Island and South African Antarctica. It is a phone contest in the band segments 7063 to 7100 kHz and 7130 to 7200 kHz. So if outside these areas, give them a fair go at the band. Special interest groups VHF and above. The Plumber's Delight. Ham radio contact on 241 gigahertz. Chris G0FDZ reports on the UK Microwave Yahoo group that the first UK amateur radio contact on 241 gigahertz, that's 1.2 millimetre band, took place on Friday, Feb 19th this year, 2016. The contact was between Roger G8CUB portable and Chris G0FDZ portable in locator square JO01EP. The distance was 30 metres and the CW signals were 559 and 589. With signal to spare both ways, an attempt was made to increase the distance to over 50 metres, but with deteriorating weather likely, a decision was taken to limit to 30 metres as antenna alignment was taking a very long time to achieve. You can view this contact by visiting the UK Microwave Group, that's the UKUG 241 GHz page. And that's all I've got. I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off. Now, as we leave WIA and the National News Service, it's to the social scene and all the events taking place March, April and May. March 19 to 20 in VK7, it's Meet the Voice Weekend at Ross. April 10 in VK3, Darabin Park for the ARDF Day. April 17 in VK6, it's Hargfest at Les Murdy. April 30 in VK6, it's Perth Tech. And April to May, April 29 to May 2 in VK4, Clareview Gathering. Check the Mackay Amateur Radio Society's website. May 7 in VK3, Moorabbin and District Radio Club's Hamfest. And May 27-29 in VK9, WIA AGM. So now, until next week, I'm Graham, VK4, BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.